that continues to fall afresh on us, that as we open up the scripture now, um, that you would breathe a fresh, a fresh breath of life on us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series, An Unstoppable Force, where we are exploring and looking at how the Spirit of God moves and has moved throughout Scripture so that we can get an idea of how God is choosing to move in your life as well. And Amanda, a few weeks ago, she, uh, she helped us um, by setting the stage for where we would be going on this journey of how the Spirit leads. Now, for some of you, um, it may not be that important how the Spirit moves, but the reality is that without the Spirit of God, we wouldn't be alive today. Um, I have a belief that in the book of Genesis, when God creates and he breathes his breath into Adam, um, that that is the whole, in, in essence, I'm not saying we're all God, but perhaps there is a part of who God is that breathes life into each one of us. And I believe with my whole heart that God continues to breathe life into us through the power of the Holy Spirit today. So let us begin, as we do every Sabbath morning, um, with the text for the morning. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And this is Jesus speaking. While staying with them, the disciples, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. John baptized with water. Now you will experience a different kind of baptism. But Jesus tells them to wait there in Jerusalem. Now my question instantly is, why are they in Jerusalem? This is probably 40 days after the Passover. Okay, so they would have already gone home by now to wherever they lived. But perhaps that the Bible writers, when Luke writes this, see that Luke wrote the book of Acts. All right, let me give you a little bit of boring history so you understand what's happening Luke was a, a physician probably, a doctor of some sort. Luke did not walk with Jesus. Instead, Luke, he actually did the research. So for all of those of you in college, this guy pretty much put a research paper together, and that's what the book of Acts is about. He researched everybody that walked with Jesus. He researched everything that might have been written, which was nothing very much because we don't have anything other than the Gospels that was written about Jesus. Okay, so he researched, he came up, he compiled all this information, and when he writes it, perhaps the Spirit of God leads him to stay to wait in Jerusalem because the parousia, or the outpouring of the Spirit, would come to the disciples in Jerusalem. And he says to them, wait. Wait in Jerusalem. And so for fun, when I thought about this, I said, May, where or how is Jerusalem? And this is some context before we dive into the application. But I thought to myself, why and how is Jerusalem important? It is called the city of Zion or the city of God. Jerusalem was a city of King David. And for, the, for a good Jewish person in the first century, they looked to David as like their father, even in some ways more than Abraham, because King David was one of the kings that was best known. He was one of the best kings. He was good because God took time to prepare David. David was unassuming. He was not the most, uh, the buffest guy, the strongest guy, the tallest guy when the prophet came and anointed him. Remember that. And it took years and years of being developed for God to be able to use David. It seems like God 
is in the business of asking us to wait. Because in this waiting period, God is preparing us. And so Jerusalem was central. It was important. This is where all of the good things, all of the major things happen. And so I just want to show you, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 4, just so you get the grasp of why it's important that Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first, first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of where? From God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. Jerusalem was a constant reminder of God's presence. And in the book of Revelation, where God is moving history forward, the way that the apocalyptic writer writes this is that Jerusalem is where God will make his home with you and with me. How will Jerusalem come out of the heavens? I don't know. That's a sermon for somebody else to preach because I don't know. But the reality is, is that Jerusalem is central to this is in some senses where God asks people to wait and God meets them there. And so he says, I will give to you. You will be baptized in a way that John the Baptist was not, um, did not baptize you. And, um, and this is what I wrote. It is in this place that God makes a home with his children. You know, sometimes God asks you to wait Right now, we, we call it living in the last days, but we don't know how long it will be before Jesus comes and renews this, renews this whole earth. And we get so anxious and we get like, we just want to get there already. But the reality is perhaps, as God has shown us, perhaps he is preparing us and he is showing us and he is developing us and transforming us for what is about to come in the future where we will spend eternity with God. God is in the business of asking us to wait, but he doesn't not give us anything. And so I want to go and I want to look at a couple of scriptures that show us what the role of the Holy Spirit is. So let's look at Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verse 49. Now this is Jesus again. And he says this, And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power. From on high. Jesus previously asked the disciples to wait, and what are they going to receive? Power from on high. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise your hand for you. I'll raise my hand for you. How many of you have ever felt weak and without power? How many of you have ever come to the end of your rope, as they say, and you just need a little help to get over that hump. How many of you have ever faced a challenge, whether it be a physical, mental, emotional, or, yeah, physical, that you feel is so insurmountable that you just need someone to help? How many of you ever felt like that? 
I'm not going to ask you how many of you currently feel that way. Jesus says, if you wait here, you will receive power from on high, which was a way of saying God will come, he will bless you, and he will give you strength where you are weak. The book of Acts, we often call it the Acts of the Apostles, which is we call it the early church, which is how, in essence, Christian church took shape. But the main character in the book of Acts are not the people of God. The main character in the book of God is the Spirit of God. And it is how the Spirit of God moved once, and it is how God can move for you again if you are open to it. So let's look at John 14, and you can just listen because we're going to go to a couple of different passages. But John 14, verse 15 says this, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, because he abides with you and he will be in end wait he abides with you and he will be in you where does the holy spirit reside in us in you and so the question that we ask is how could god take us sinners wretched full of destruction and yet god still makes a home in us the next time that you feel alone the next time that perhaps you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, I would ask you to pause and remember that you are not alone. I would ask you to take the time to remember that it is the same God that sent power from on high to the disciples. God is sending that very same power to you. And so it says, if you love God, you do what? You follow the teachings of Jesus. When the Bible says commandments here, what Jesus is saying is what I taught you for the last three and a half years. If you do that, then I, I kind of understand that you love me, that you understand what I'm doing. And we don't like that kind of language, right? How many of you have, has your wife or husband ever says, if you love me, then you will do this? Do you like having somebody say that to you? If your parent says that to you? No, we hate it. And yet it would seem that Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But that's not that hard because then this is what Jesus says. He says, that's how you show me. I get it. It's hard. He says, but the way I show you that I love you is that I am asking God to send you an advocate to go before you in all that you do. And this advocate, this Holy Spirit will go before you in all things and he will be with you for all eternity. Which means that when we enter into eternity, when we enter into heaven, the Holy Spirit will still be there with us. Do you, do you begin to, and this, this excites me, okay, and we don't know what eternity will be like, do we? Okay, we have pictures of these golden cities, and I have my theories about that. Because if, if, if eternity is like a day, I don't know, but like, right, when we think of eternity as one never-ending day, does that mean we take naps? That makes sense? Do we need rooms? Because then if we have a room, then does something become mine and then it's not yours? I mean, do you, do you begin to see how when we think about heaven, we're actually really thinking about a more idealized version of earth. And I would say that that's not what heaven is going to be like. So we don't know what it's going to be like. Somebody asked me, are there going to be marriages in heaven? Do you argue with your husband or wife? 
I'm just saying. That won't be heaven. I'm just, but that's a joke. Come on, you guys. One year married. Come on. We don't argue. But the reality is a lie. But the reality is the only thing in this life that you get to take into eternity is yourself and the Holy Spirit. And God says, this Holy Spirit will be with you until eternity, but you don't have to wait until you die. You don't have to wait until I come. Guess what? I'm going to give it to you over 2,000 years ago. And that very spirit God is giving to you. Now, for some of you, that may not be glamorous enough. For some of you, it may not be what you are looking for out of Christianity or out of your faith with God. For some of you, you just want to escape this place because it's so hard and unbearable and there's so many destructions. I saw a video by a parachurch organization, and, and it begins, by parachurch, I mean it's not endorsed by our, by our church, but it uses, you know, it's affiliated. And they, 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 they made this video, and the first couple of minutes just shows all the bad stuff that's happening in the world to kind of get people to be like, it's bad, we need to get out. But that's a false way of teaching the Bible. I take the Bible so seriously that that's not the whole story. The story is that God is in control, that God is in charge, that God is with you, that God has given us the Holy Spirit to give us a foretaste of what eternity will be like, and that's free for you now. And sometimes all God is saying is just look up, not necessarily look up into heaven, but just look to me and you will have it. Oh, by the way, it's already within you. That This is not, understand, this is not new age stuff. I'm just reading what the Bible says. And it may be hard to understand that, that the Holy Spirit is within us. That's just the way God chooses to do things, and you can't fight it. Have you, ever, um, have you ever seen a television show or a movie, and there's a good angel and a bad angel, right? One on each side. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's false. That's not how life is. The Holy Spirit is the only one good thing that is within you that is moving you to do what is good and honorable and just. That voice that you hear that is your conscience, I would, I would suggest that perhaps it's the Spirit of God leading you towards a better path. The way God shows us he loves us is that he doesn't abandon us, is that he gives us the Spirit of God so that we will never be alone. John 14 Verse 25. This is probably some of my most powerful passages in Scripture. John 14, 25 says this. I have said these things to you, Jesus says, while I am still with you. But the advocate, again, what is an advocate? It's somebody that goes before you. It's somebody that speaks on your behalf. It's somebody that loves you. It's somebody that even though you may not be the best person to them, they will always defend you. I have a sister. I got to share this. Maybe this is why, yeah. So I remember I went to VBS one time, not at this church, when I was a little kid. And um, there was like hundreds of kids. It was just crazy. And I remember standing there one time. The Holy Spirit, I kind of picture my sister, and you'll see what I mean. My younger sister, not my older one. I was standing there, and some kid that wasn't from my church, he came up, and I was just kind of like leaning on my leg. On like, I was in like a little hole. Don't ask. Just It was just weird. I just remember and he came up, and he kicked my knee, and I fell, and I was like, what? Now, I don't, I'm not a fighter, you know. I'm, I was a shy kid, and I was like, well, what's going on here? And my sister, I don't know where she came from, but within seconds, I mean, and this kid was bigger than her, and she's a girl, and she just pushed him back like 50 yards, telling you never do that to my brother. You never touch him again. You, you know, like, 
I was afraid. I don't, she's not here today. She, I don't know. I don't know if we've had this discussion. And, and out of nowhere, she's a year older than me. There was just protection. She was my advocate. I wasn't always nice to her. We argued, right? That's what brothers and sisters sometimes do. We didn't always get along. We do now. But, you know, and she advocated for me. I mean, she literally would have beat this kid up. I mean, we were like seven, eight years old. This kid was like 12. And she advocated for me. And when I think of the Holy Spirit, it, I keep coming back to this picture of my sister who was the protector, who is comforter, who will always advocate and go before me no matter what I have done to her. And I think that's true about God, that no matter how sinful we are, no matter how bad we've been to God, no matter how much we've doubted God, he will always go before us because as a parent, he doesn't know how to be against us. And I think that that's the gospel. God gives us everything we need in this world so that we can thrive and prosper. I'm not talking about financially. I'm not, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living a fulfilled and meaningful life that God is preparing each one of us for. And he says, but the advocate, the so I have said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And then Jesus says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. He says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, the advocate. And then what does he say? Peace I leave with you. What does the Holy Spirit give? What does the Holy Spirit bring? Peace. It's tangible. It's real. You know what it's like to be without peace. You also know what it's like to be with peace. And Jesus says, this Holy Spirit will teach you everything you need to know. This Holy Spirit will open your eyes to where I am in this world. The Holy Spirit is God. I, the way I best understood it is that the Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of God. And that is how God is active and moving in this world today. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. I, um, I heard a story one time. Um, this lady was, it's, I mean, it's a real story, but I'm not going to, you know, no names. But there was a lady at a job, and um, she just had a horrible, horrible, horrible day. And so she decides to go shopping um, just to blow some steam off. And on the way back, she talks to someone I know that relayed the story to me. And she said, it doesn't help. All of this stuff I just bought. You know, and you guys know what I'm talking right? We all do different things to kind of blow off steam. We all do different things to kind of help us to cope with things. For this one particular person, it was to go and go shopping. And she says, it doesn't make me feel any better. You see, everything that we go to in this life is going to give us temporary fixes. It may smooth over things for a little bit, but it won't solve the problem. 
However, and this may sound extremely churchy, and if you're visiting us today, just understand that th this may sound very Christian-y, right? like Christianese, right? But there's no other way to put it that the Holy Spirit is not something that is just going to be good for a little bit, but it's something that God says will work in through, into all eternity. And if you're open to the reality of God moving in your life, you will see it. There's another place in the scriptures that says those who are born of the Spirit see the Spirit, which means you have to want to see it. You have to want to believe that it's there. If you believe in Jesus, you will see it, but other people will not see it. And so we go on to the final passage. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. And we'll stop right there for a second. Okay. If Jesus, being the Savior of the world, the Son of God, probably pretty charismatic because thousands of people came to his church, or, you know, the mountainside, okay, he had thousands of people. He drew them in for hours. They wouldn't even eat sometimes for hours, okay? You know, some of you are like, dude, 30 minutes, pastor, and I got to go to lunch. But Jesus didn't seem to have that problem. This guy that probably everybody wanted to be around and be friends with, one lady just tried to touch his, his clothes. And what does this Jesus say? It's better if I go because then you get the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of, I really wish that Jesus was here in person so I could, you know, touch him so I could know that he's real. And yet what Jesus says, I am the Savior of the universe. I have all this power. It's going to be even better for you. You think it's good now. It's going to be even better when the Holy Spirit comes. And this is why I think that's true. Jesus, even though he is God, could only be present in one place, right, when he was in his human body, right? I know there was a couple of stories where he was like on one side of the lake and then he showed up on the other side, but that's very few and far in between in the scriptures. But as a human being, you can almost always only be in one place at a time. The Holy Spirit is like the wind and where it blows, it blows where it wants to, but the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, resides in each one of you. Which means that God is present everywhere, always. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that God is continually moving in this world. And he says, it's better if I go away because then you get the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will prove. And then this is, an, 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 I'm going to stop there because there's like a whole other sermon there. And I'm going to read this final text. John 16, verse 12 and 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And Jesus says, wait here in Jerusalem, for once you were baptized in water, what happens here? But then you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there are still many things that Jesus tells his disciples. There are many things, and he tells us today that I, you just cannot bear them. It's too much, but the Spirit of God will lead you in every way, which is why I think it was appropriate that Amanda got up here. You guys probably thought she was a little wacky, but it was a skit. And that's how churches run. We make a motion. We just had board meeting. <laughs> there's a motion on the table. There's a second, and then we vote it. 
And I think sometimes it's like we voted the Holy Spirit. Did you feel it? That's not how it works. Because Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. If you open yourself up to the Spirit of God, all of these passages that I just read, and, and um, if you guys want a copy of these passages, I'll, you know, Ned can make copies of them for you during the week. Um, but if you op- are open to the Spirit, God will give you all of these things. You see, we think that Christianity is just, I have to do this and do this and do this. But the reality is the person who's doing everything is really God. And it's, just not, it's not just that he's doing something, it's that he is pouring out of his very, of, his, of himself in essence, his very spirit into your hearts, into your lives, into your minds, so that you will live the life that God has always wanted you to live. And it will go with you unto eternity. One of the ways that we, that we practice um, being open to the Spirit of God is what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. Some places call it the Eucharist. But in essence, communion is when you take a piece of bread and some ju- grape juice, I'm going to say orange juice, and some grape juice that are symbols of Jesus' body broken for you. It is, a, it is a symbol of Jesus absorbing all of the sins of all of the world. And now we can partake in the resurrection of Jesus. And so next Sabbath, we want to invite you to be here. Because when we eat the bread and the juice, it's just bread and it's just juice. Nothing happens. It, it's, it doesn't become Jesus. It's a symbol of what he's done. But I can also tell you that if you're open to it, those moments that you spend in silent prayer as you're eating the bread and drinking the juice, something, if you're open, something powerful happens where the Spirit, and, and I've experienced it, where, where I know that God is just like, you're safe. I did this for you, and you do not have to be afraid or worry. And I can't help but say that's the Spirit of God. I know that sometimes people won't come to church on that day. And I don't know if it's because they don't like to do the foot washing, which we do as an Adventist church, right? We, we do that as a symbol of, of, um, of service. Sometimes if you've had an issue with somebody in the church, you wash their feet as a sense of forgiveness. You see, what we do in this church, when we read the Bible, when we have communion, when we participate in the foot washing, when we do baptism, it's not empty rituals. It is deeply impactful rituals and symbols that we partake of to be able to give Jesus a face sometimes. And so this week, as as you're kind of going about your workday, as you get busy, as you get upset with the kids or your wife or your husband, you get upset on the road, whatever that is, just remember that in seven days you can come and partake in a very powerful communion where, where in essence you are reminded of the goodness of God. And maybe the person that cut you off, it won't matter so much. And maybe the fact that you had a bad day won't matter so much because although you had a bad day, there are hundreds of good days just waiting to happen because we have a God who will not leave us alone, who will not leave us to just fend for ourselves, but who has already sent the Holy Spirit into your life and perhaps you're just not seeing it 
And communion can be a powerful vehicle for you to experience the love, the joy, and the fullness of God in you.